Currently, there is no evidence that having a vasectomy would increase a man's risk of any kind of malignancy like prostate cancer or testicular cancer or really any other medical condition. No studies have shown that there's a higher risk of heart disease, dementia, basically anything if you go down the line of potential you know, medical conditions in the future. Over the last few months, Google searches about vasectomy, the procedure for male sterilization, have skyrocketed. To learn more about how vasectomy works, I spoke with Dr. David Pallone. Dr. Pallone is a board-certified urologist in the UW School of Medicine and Public Health Department of Urology. We discussed what preparation and recovery for vasectomy looks like, cleared up some common vasectomy myths, and talked about how Dr. Pallone counsels patients to make sure the procedure is the right choice for them. From the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I'm Jackie Askins, and you're listening to the Women's HealthCast. I am very excited today to be talking to Dr. David Pallone of the UW-Madison Department of Urology. Uh, We're going to learn a little bit about vasectomy today. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. So... Most of our podcast episodes focus on the world of obstetrics and gynecology. Um, This is kind of a new area for us, for me to discuss, at least on this podcast. I'm curious if you can tell me a little bit about your area of expertise, what your clinical time looks like, and kind of why patients come to see you and work with you. Sure. So I'm a urologist, and urologists are surgeons of the urinary tract, would be the simplest way to put it. It's the word... It's a surgical subspecialty, and we focus on the genitourinary organs, kidneys, ureters, bladders, uh, urethra, uh, for men, the penis, the testicles, the scrotum. So we treat both men and women. You know, there are a number of urological conditions that affect both. You know, some people have the misconception that a urologist is a, is a man doctor, just like a OBGYN is a female doctor, but it's not true. Women get urinary malignancies, women get kidney stones, women have urinary problems such as frequency or incontinence. Today, I think we will spend most of our time, though, talking about a procedure that's most commonly um, for like male bodies. We're going to talk about vasectomy. Um, some of the anatomy that we'll discuss is going to be maybe a little bit new for Perhaps for our listeners are just some definitions that we haven't covered in this podcast before. Um, I'm wondering if you can walk me through some of the terms that we're going to hear and maybe a little bit of a sense of what they mean. Sure. So I would start with testicle, which is the, the organ in the man that sits within the scrotum, the sac that comes out at the base of the pelvis. The testicle makes sperm. Necessary for reproduction, but it also makes testosterone, the male hormone. Um, From the testicle, there's a tube that carries the sperm. The first part of it is something called the epididymis, which is a coiled long tube that sits right behind the testicle in the scrotum. And at the very end of that long coiled tube begins the vas deferens. So that's what we'll be cutting when we do uh, a vasectomy. The vas deferens is a long, thin tube that comes up from the scrotum, goes into the groin. It follows the the blood supply that uh, supplies and drains the testicle. So it comes up out of the groin and then it goes around behind the bladder 
to join uh, an organ called the prostate, which is the organ in men that sits below the bladder, but before the urethra, the prostate is what makes the fluid that a man ejaculates, what we call the, the semen. Um, so the testicles make the sperm, the prostate makes the semen. And so when a man ejaculates, the sperm from the testicle are propelled up the vas deferens to mix with the fluid from the prostate. And then that's ejaculated out the penis uh, carrying the sperm. So you mentioned that the vas deferens is what is cut during a vasectomy. Uh, from a more basic standpoint, what, I mean, I guess you've explained it, but kind of what is a vasectomy and why might someone be interested in having one? Yeah, so a vasectomy is essentially a procedure to occlude the vas deferens. And it can be done in a number of different techniques, but the goal is the same, which is, again, occlusion of the vas deferens to prevent sperm from being able to join the fluid in the ejaculate. And it really is a source of sterility, making sure that a man cannot uh, father any children. So a vasectomy is uh, essentially a, a permanent, reliable means of sterility for a man that's undertaken by cutting uh, that vas deferens. How do you counsel someone who might come to you kind of curious about this procedure um, wondering if it would be a good fit for them. How do you walk your patients through deciding whether a vasectomy is, is a, the procedure that's the right fit for them, the right choice for them? Yeah, that's a great question. So the American Urological Association, my professional organization, actually has a guideline statement on vasectomy. And it's very helpful in that it points out you know, a lot of facts about vasectomy that we need to discuss with men who are interested and you know, some, kind of a bare minimum of what we counsel men about with vasectomy. So the main thing that I would want to stress to a man who's considering vasectomy is the permanent nature of it. When we do this procedure, it's intended for a man to not be able to have any biological children moving forward after he's had the procedure and we've confirmed that it works. Uh, so I think that's the main thing to stress right up front. And I tell men that they've really got to be able to look themselves in the mirror, look into their hearts, and be able to be comfortable with a decision that will make it essentially impossible for them to have biological children. I stress that there are other forms of birth control. So one does not necessarily have to have a vasectomy. There's you know, obviously condoms, you know, oral contraceptives, IUDs, um, some women will get uh, sterility procedures. So there are a variety of other techniques. But for a man, if he wants to have a vasectomy, his goal should be that for himself, you know, personally, and in the context, if he is in a relationship for the couple, that they foresee no situation in the future where they'd want to have biological children. And a vasectomy is a way to make sure in a permanent way that it will not happen. So I'm hearing one reason not to get a vasectomy would be maybe any degree of uncertainty about whether you want to be a parent in the future or a biological parent in the future. Um, are there any other reasons why someone might not be a good fit or might not be eligible for this procedure? Yeah, so I, yeah, I think the first thing is if somebody is wavering at all, you know, I would definitely ask them to reconsider. 
you know, I think that some men will ask, well, can I bank sperm before I get the vasectomy as, you know, an insurance policy? And I will usually tell them, well, if you are even thinking of banking sperm, that tells me you are still having some consideration that you may want to have children in the future. So I would really ask them to, to reconsider. And again, a vasectomy is designed and meant for a man who knows that he is done having kids or does not want to have any kids and wants to make absolutely sure that that doesn't happen. So, you know, if the first thing that would, you know, in my mind, make a man not a great candidate is if he is really not 100% set in that decision or feels completely comfortable with it or has any thoughts that there may be something in the future that would prompt him to have, um, you know, a, a desire to have ch biological children. Other reasons that I would be cautious in um, considering a vasectomy for a man would be if I sense that it's a rash decision. Another reason would be if, if a man is in any kind of acute mental health crisis. Uh, another you know, question I'm often asked is, you know, would you do uh, a single man who doesn't have any kids who's in his early 20s? Uh, and my response is there's no reason not to do a vasectomy for that type of man. They're adults. Uh, it would be very you know, arrogant and paternalistic of me to say, oh, I know better than you that what you really want is going to be kids someday in the future, so I'm not going to do that. I, when I first came here 21 years ago, some of my older partners would refuse to do vasectomies in men who did not have kids for that fear that they would be somehow held liable if the, the man changed his mind and wanted to have kids and you know they had a vasectomy when they didn't have kids. I think that's, you know, ridiculous, you know, you know, adults are adults and can make adult decisions. And if a man is even in his early to mid twenties and has really thought it through. And again, I have a very thorough discussion uh, with men about this. If I get a sense that it's not a rash decision, that this is something they thought through, there's no reason I wouldn't um, do a vasectomy. And there have actually been studies that have questioned men years down the road about regret for having had a vasectomy and specifically looking at men who have never had kids, you know, do they regret that they've got a vasectomy in their twenties or early thirties and very few men regret the decision. So I think it's good evidence to me that when men come to the decision and get this procedure, that they are doing it because they do know what's best for them and what they want from their future. I mean, there are permanent things that adults, you know, can decide on. And I think vasectomy it's, for me is something that I would not um, tell somebody I know better than them. And so I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing to do younger men who do not have uh, children. It's reproductive autonomy at its finest, I think. Um, so you are a urologist and it sounds like you are able to perform this procedure. This is within your area of expertise. Um, in general, who does perform vasectomies? Is this specific to your specialty? No, um, urologists do the majority of vasectomies in the United States, though. Yeah, urologists do, I believe, around 75% of all vasectomies. But there are other medical specialists who can do vasectomies. Uh, some general practitioners, family practice physicians are actually trained to do them and can do them very well. Uh, some general surgeons can do them. Uh, you know, obviously they're very skilled at a wide variety of surgeries and the vasectomy is a relatively straightforward surgery. So they could get training to be able to do that. So I think some of it is just uh, location, you know, urban centers that are 
you know, having a lot of urologists tend to have the urologists be doing the vasectomies, but in some more you know, rural communities where there may not be a urologist that's available, uh, it would make sense for other providers to be able to offer the service. And so that's where either family practice physicians or general surgeons could uh, provide this, uh, this procedure also. So now I've got some questions about kind of the logistics. So we'll say you've met with a patient, counseled them. They're very confident this is the right choice for them. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the actual procedure, the before, the during, and the after. Um, how does someone prepare for their vasectomy appointment? Is there anything special to do or to think about before coming in for this procedure? Yeah, so one consideration would be some of the things that we think about for any kind of surgical procedure. For example, um, medicines that could increase the risk of bleeding. So one potential complication of vasectomy is bleeding. So men would need to hold medications that make them prone to bleeding. Things such as aspirin, ibuprofen, are some you know, relatively simple over-the-counter medications that could do that. Some men who are getting vasectomies may be on more potent blood thinners like warfarin or Plavix. So we would want to make sure that we coordinate with whoever is prescribing that, that it's safe for them to be able to hold that uh, before the procedure and for several days afterwards to reduce the risk of uh, bleeding. Uh, it's very important that men have a ride home from the procedure. So that's one thing we do request. Uh, even though we're not typically sedating men or giving them anesthesia for a vasectomy, it's a procedure, it's on a delicate area, and some men do get a little woozy afterwards. And so I just tell men for their own safety and for the safety of other people on the road, it's best if they have a reliable way home, somebody taking them home or we're okay with them taking a cab home or Uber home um, so that they can just get home safely and not worry about driving until the next day, just to make sure they don't potentially pass out while driving home. Uh, we ask that men have uh, some kind of an ice source at home waiting for them. Um, one of the things that helps reduce bruising and swelling and pain for any kind of injury would be icing. And so we'll tell them, you know, make sure you have something, an ice pack, frozen peas, frozen corn, something like that, that can be just very easily used as, a, a, as an ice source. Um, we do ask them to uh, trim some of the hair uh, at the upper part of the scrotum just to make it a little bit easier for us to do the procedure without pubic hair getting in the way. Uh, we ask that they have uh, some kind of a very tight underwear or some kind of scroll supporter, like a, a, a jock strap, for lack of a better word, athletic supporter that uh, can help prevent um, you know, some bruising and swelling. Uh, it's better to have that extra support. Um, I tell them that they need to plan to do the procedure at a time where they can take 48 hours afterwards and really just relax at home without any kind of strenuous activities necessary. And we want them just to sit at home, put their feet up, watch TV, work on the computer, read, you know, really minimal activity for that first 48 hours afterwards. And we would want them to hold on any kind of exercise or other strenuous activity for about a week afterwards. Um, We'd want them to not pursue any sexual, acti sexual activity for a week afterwards. Um, I asked men not to submerge their scrotum underwater for two weeks afterwards in order to reduce the risk of getting any kind of infection from pool water or hot tub water, things like that, getting into the scrotal incision. So, you know, I told them, man, it's not a 
not a good idea to plan a Wisconsin Dells vacation with the family a couple of days after a vasectomy because you're not, we don't want you in the water or, or doing anything like that. So those would be the ways that I would have a man have prepared for the procedure uh, to make sure that it goes smoothly and into recovery afterwards. Um, I have one quick follow-up. You mentioned um, like abstaining from sexual activity. Is that partnered activity or just any sexual activity? Great question. You know, any kind of ejaculation for one week afterwards. We just don't want them to put any kind of a pressure on the procedure, on the incision uh, with ejaculation for about a week. Um, can you walk me through what happens during the actual procedure? Uh, what, what should somebody be aware of heading into a vasectomy? Yeah. So, you know, a man would arrive, we would take him back to our procedure room. And again, the vast majority of these we're able to do in the office with just local anesthesia. Um, so we would have him come back to the room. He would basically, uh, disrobe from the waist down, lie on our procedure table, uh, we would prep him, meaning we apply an antiseptic type of solution to the scrotum, the penis, the upper thighs, lower abdomen, to make sure that the procedure is done sterilely and to reduce the risk of infection. After that, we drape uh, his scrotums uh, so that only the scrotum is exposed, and then these sterile drapes allow us to work uh, on the procedure without contaminating our instruments or our suture. Uh, and then, you know, once we get them all prepped and draped, then I would come into the room and I always ask men one final time before I do anything, you understand that this means you will not have any children from this point forward. And they always say yes, but I always ask the question anyway, because I just want to make absolutely sure we're on the same page going to that procedure. And then I'll also I'll ask them if they have any last minute questions, uh, anything that we've not covered up to that point that they thought of before we start the procedure. At that point, I begin the procedure. Um, and basically you know, manipulating the spermatic cord, the, the structure that has the vas deferens, the artery, the vein that connects the testicle to the groin, to the upper part of the scrotum until I can feel the vas deferens and have it secured against the skin surface. We then anesthetize the skin over the vas deferens with just a little injection of local, uh, give that probably 30 seconds to work. And then we do what's called a no scalpel vasectomy technique, meaning we don't have to make an incision in the scrotum to find the vas deferens. We have a special instrument that's very sharp that we can poke into the scrotal skin, spread it a little bit, create just enough of a, of a gap in the scrotal skin that we can then grasp the vas deferens with a specially designed clamp. And once we have a hold of the vas deferens with this clamp, I can let go of his scrotum with my hand. One of the parts that's a little bit uncomfortable is just securing the vas deferens in the hand, in my grip, getting it up to the, to the skin surface. And that could sometimes can be a little uncomfortable. So once we get the vas clamp on it, we can let go. And then it takes about five to 10 minutes on that side to separate out the vas deferens from the other structures of the cord cut out a piece, secure the cut ends, cauterize the cut ends, everything we need to do to make sure that it's permanent. Then we return the vas deferens to the scrotum. And I usually close this uh, little hole in the scrotal skin with a simple stitch that's dissolvable. Then we go on to the other side and do the same exact thing on the other side. The whole process takes 15 to 20 minutes. 
I should have asked this earlier. Are there two vas deferens? Like, yeah, yep. I should have mentioned that earlier also. Okay. So there's two testicles for the vast majority of men, and so there's a vas deferens from each testicle. So it's a it's what we call a bilateral procedure, two sides. Occasionally, a man may have lost a testicle. Uh, and only have one side or never had a testicle develop or come down on one side. So that's, that's usually a five to 10 minute procedure if we just have to do one side. Okay. Um, what are some of the most common like risks or side effects for this procedure? Yep. So the risk of bleeding or infection is a one to 2% risk. So infections actually pretty rare. It's I'm hard pressed to think back to a man who, after we did the procedure, came in and we needed to give antibiotics to treat an infection. That's very very low risk. Bleeding is what we're concerned about, and that's why we have men hold any kind of blood thinning medicine for a week before. We don't want them taking any for a few days afterwards. It's why we want men to essentially be near bed rest for 48 hours just to reduce the chance of getting bleeding under the skin. The scrotal skin is really stretchy, and there's not a real easy way to hold pressure on the scrotum like there would be if you have a cut on your arm where you can just hold pressure to stop the bleeding. So there's a potential space that can really fill up with blood if it's slowly oozing under the skin and create what we call a hematoma, which is just a big, swollen, purple scrotum that takes you know some time for that to reabsorb. So... Uh, that is the risk that we you know, fear most. Fortunately, it's only a 1% to 2% risk, and men can control that risk by listening to what we say, not go out and play around the golf the next day because it's a beautiful day and they feel fine, or not say, you know, I ride my bike every day 100 miles and I'm not going to take a break just because I had a vasectomy yesterday. I'm going to go out and do it. It's guys who, who do that. Don't listen to us and our recommendations that are most at risk for running to this complication. One of the other complications or risks of the procedure is what we call recanalization, which is essentially failure of the vas deferens of the, of the vasectomy. And this is where the vas deferens somehow, the two cut ends, find a way to grow together. So it's rare. That is a one in 2000 risk for a man to have sperm that still show up in his semen after he's had a vasectomy procedure. So, and that's the thought is that somehow during the healing process, the two ends find each other and join together and allow sperm to come through. Everything we do when we're doing the procedure is meant to try to reduce that risk, creating a gap by cutting out a piece, cauterizing the ends, trying to scar them down. But despite all that, there is a one in 2000 risk that a man could still find sperm in his semen after he's had the vasectomy. Pain from a vasectomy is pretty mild, and we recommend only Tylenol as the pain reliever for men afterwards. Um, some men do have pain that lasts more than a few days or a few weeks. Less than 1% of men, though, have any kind of reports of longer-term pain in their scrotal area after they've had a vasectomy. So you walked us through um, recovery, what your time after the procedure should look like, and it sounded like no activity for 48 hours, just a lot of rest and low-key TV time, lots of icing, only Tylenol or um, for pain management, so very mild, and then um, a week with no strenuous activity. Yeah, submersion yeah. would be two weeks. So men could shower the next day, 
but we just don't want them submerging their scrotum underwater. So bathtub, hot tub, swimming for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we typically do these late in the week, Thursdays and Fridays. So for men who would typically have the weekend off, it gives them just that weekend to relax and recover. And, you know, for that 48 hour period where we want them not doing anything. And I tell men that, you know, typically by Monday morning, you can go back to work, assuming it's a job that is just normal day-to-day activities. Some men who do some very strenuous work may need to take a little bit more time, but the vast majority of men, if we do a vasectomy on a Friday, they just relax for the weekend. They're back to work on Monday, but again, nothing that's exercise, sports, or ejaculation for one good week after the procedure. How quickly is vasectomy effective as a method of sterilization or birth control? Can someone, as soon as their one week sort of ejaculation ban is over, immediately jump into having unprotected sex? No, it is not immediate. So, and that's something I stress to men at the pre-vasectomy consult and also when I talk to them after the vasectomy about the discharge instructions, that we don't know that it's going to work until we confirm that it's worked. So you are not immediately sterile. Things could grow together, that one in 2,000 chance of that, and you could have sperm coming through that you wouldn't necessarily know about. Also, there are sperm that are downstream in the vas deferens, in the prostate, in the urethra that are there from the most recent times the man would have ejaculated prior to the vasectomy. And sperm can live for several days or even a, you know, a week or two. So the first ejaculations that he has, even after a vasectomy, are going to have sperm coming out. So we stress that it is important that men continue some form of birth control. And the time frame we give before we would test to make sure that he is sterile would be eight to 12 weeks. Um, and that's going to allow him time to ejaculate enough times to flush out all the old sperm that are downstream trapped in the urinary tract. Um, and then also give it time to heal. And my experience is that if somebody is going to have that failure where things grow together, it happens during that first couple of months during the healing process. So the, you know, the recommendation and the restriction is continue some form of birth control, at least eight to 12 weeks. And then we ask men to give a semen specimen that can be analyzed to make sure that they have no sperm in their semen. And only at that point, more than two months out after the vasectomy, if he gives a semen that has no sperm, will we say, okay, unprotected intercourse is now reasonable. Good. I wanted to ask if there was a follow-up of just like double checking to make sure everything went well. So it sounds like yes. Yeah, definitely. We, 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 when men leave the vasectomy appointment, it's with a little bag that has a couple of specimen containers and instructions on obtaining those semen specimens. And again, the recommendation is eight to 12 weeks. I stress the importance of that. I said, look, you just went through this procedure. You want to make sure that you know that it worked and you don't want to take any risks. So please make sure to do that. Some studies would suggest that a significant number of men never give that semen for you know, analysis and follow-up. And that's unfortunate because then they don't really know that they are, in fact, sterile. They probably are because the risk of failure of vasectomy is is low, but they don't know for sure. And so I caution them, look, it's really important. Give the semen specimen so that we can make sure 
you went through the vasectomy, let's just know that it worked. And then you don't have to worry about any unintended pregnancies in the future. And they don't even need an appointment to, for the scene analysis. It's basically just collected at home typically, and then drop it off at the lab on their way to work. As I was kind of researching this episode, getting ready for this conversation, and then just, you know, anecdotally talking to people in my own life, um, I've heard some questions and concerns come up that have maybe slowed folks down from considering vasectomy for themselves. And I wanted to try and clear some of these up because I think there's a lot of research that can help answer some of these questions. It's a procedure that's been around for a while. Um, one of the most common that I see and hear is that vasectomy affects sexual function and affects sexual satisfaction. Um, what can you tell me about that? Yeah, so I would say that there really is no evidence of any good studies that would show that a vasectomy alters a man's sexual performance, his sexual ability, his uh, sexual pleasure, anything. does not change the ability to get an erection. It does not change the libido or interest in sex. It doesn't even change the volume of the ejaculate. That is fluid from the prostate, as I talked about earlier. That's not altered at all with a vasectomy. The only thing that's missing is the sperm, and the sperm make up just 1% of the ejaculate. So, you know, I always I tell men in the, in, the, in the consultation, look, if you gave me two semen specimens and told me which one I thought was from a man with a vasectomy, without a microscope, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, because the volume of the semen does not change, the feeling of orgasm doesn't change, men's testosterone levels do not change. There's nothing that's, you know, altered with that. So really there is nothing to support the notion that somehow a man's sexual life is altered by uh, having a vasectomy. I also, I know of research in like other areas of birth control and contraception that find having a reliable method can improve your sexual satisfaction because you're less there's maybe less anxiety about unintended pregnancy. And so that could be a really good thing. Yeah. I, I've, I've you know, mentioned that to men that, you know, if anything, I would think that men would be able to have more reliable or better erections, better sex lives, because it does take some of the anxiety out of, you know, fear of an unintended pregnancy occurring from intercourse uh, out of the equation when they know that they are sterile. You also just mentioned it does not affect testosterone production. Correct. No evidence that it would lower a man's testosterone if he's had a vasectomy. What about um, risk of like prostate or testicular cancer? So that's a great question. And there have been some studies that have tried to find a leak or a link or look for a link. And currently there is no evidence that having a vasectomy would increase a man's risk of any kind of malignancy like prostate cancer or testicular cancer or really any other medical condition. No studies have shown that there's a higher risk of heart disease, dementia, basically anything if you go down the line of potential you know, medical conditions in the future. And in fact, the AUA guidelines on vasectomy state that we do not need to even bring up the idea that there's some you know, risk or other you know, alteration in a man's medical future if he has a vasectomy, because there is no good supporting studies or data that would confirm there is any difference you know, in a man who's had a vasectomy versus who's not had a vasectomy as you look forward in time at their medical you know, history in the future. 
A question that just popped into my head. It's a little bit of a sidetrack, but um, so the, the testes produce sperm. We're kind of severing or cutting off the way that sperm leave the testes with a, with a vasectomy. Um, what happens, I guess, to the sperm that are produced that, are, that, that can't leave now? That's a great question. A lot of men will ask that question. They, their their thought is, "Oh my God, are my testicles going to keep growing and growing and growing <laughs> because there's no place for the for the sperm to go?" And just like a lot of other cells in our body, the cells that are not used will die, and we've got ways to break those cells down into their component parts and then basically recycle the component parts. So when you think about skin, like a lot of skin just fluffs away, and goes into the into the air, uh, but internally, other cells that die in you know, the gastrointestinal tract and other parts of our bodies, there's you know part of the immune immune system macrophages, for example, that will basically break down these dead cells and just break them down to the component parts and get rid of them. So yeah, so basically, your the, the the old dead sperm they never have a chance to go anywhere, die, get broken down by your body. And your testicle just keeps making more sperm to replace them, but those don't have anywhere to go, and it just keeps recycling. My sort of final question about misconceptions, and you've definitely clarified this one already, but I want to just emphasize it one more time, is this um, idea that vasectomy is reversible. And it sounds like it's, it's really not intended to be a reversible procedure. Exactly. That's the one thing I tell men is while there are ways that men who've had vasectomies can have children in the future if their life situation changes and they do change their mind, we're not doing a vasectomy with any intention that it should be reversible. That being said, there are surgical procedures that do reverse vasectomy. It involves basically cutting out the scarred portion and then bringing the two fresher ends together in with microsurgery. So it's a very small lumen, a very small tube. So microsurgery is necessary to bring those two cut ends together on each side to try to reestablish patency of the, of the tube to let sperm through again. That's you know, challenging surgery. It's an expensive surgery. It's you know, about $10,000 out, out of pocket. No insurance company is going to pay for a man to have his vasectomy reversed the vast majority of insurances will pay for a vasectomy because they view it as something that could save them money compared to the cost of a pregnancy and delivery. So vasectomies are actually very well covered by insurance, but a vasectomy reversal would be a $10,000 out-of-pocket cost for a man to try to get sperm back into his ejaculate. Never guaranteed to work. There are a lot of factors that can predict how likely a man could have success with a reversal Things like how long it's been since the vasectomy, the longer it's been, the less likely it will work. Uh, the technique on the vasectomy, how uh, aggressive it was. Um, so the man's age can play a role. So again, vasectomy reversal is not a simple procedure. It is not an inexpensive procedure and is not a guarantee by any means. Another means that men could uh, use to have children would be assisted reproductive techniques. So basically, since a man's testicles still make sperm, you could extract sperm from the testicle. And in 2022, all you need is one sperm and one egg. You could place the sperm within the egg for 
creating an embryo and then the embryo could be implanted. Uh, so that assisted reproductive technique is a way for a man to have children even after vasectomy. Again, not easy, not inexpensive. Um, so those are the things that I tell men. And again, just trying to stress, look, everything we do is intended for you to not have any more children. That's the goal of vasectomy. And I wouldn't think about ways to reverse it because that shouldn't be part of the plan going into it. This has been incredibly informative. I feel like I have learned a, just a ton of really important information. What do you wish more people knew or thought about in terms of vasectomy? Yeah, I think the main thing would be that it is a relatively straightforward procedure in the office with local anesthesia that takes 15 to 20 minutes to do, and that it is not this big, scary operation. It really is pretty straightforward, pretty, I never like to say simple about any surgery because all surgeries have risk of complications, but it is really straightforward. Again, 15 to 20 minutes, local anesthesia, and the vast majority of guys tolerate it really well. You know, I hear more than anything else after vasectomies, guys say, wow, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. I, I can't tell you how many times I hear that. I always to say to God, okay, can you put that in writing? Or can, we, can you say that to a tape recorder so that we can have that? <laughs> um, you know, everybody's a little different. So a lot of men have friends, you know, colleagues, family members who've had vasectomies that maybe haven't had a great experience. So there may be this fear. But in my you know, experience, it's for the vast majority of men, straightforward, quick, low risk, and reliable and effective. I think that's the other thing is once we get that semen specimen after you know more than two months and it shows no sperm, he he can know that he is sterile, that he has you know essentially no risk of fathering a child in the future uh, at that point. Dr. Pallone, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate this. Um, been my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. The Women's HealthCast is a production of the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can find the Women's HealthCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WISCOBGYN. Let us know how we're doing, rate and review us in your podcast app, and let us know what health issues you'd like to learn about at the link on our podcast page. Thanks for listening.